0: Just to uh, review a little bit, we established this, that the, the we as believers are kings and priests to our God. The scripture establishes that over in the book of Revelation. Also, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it tells us that we're a royal priesthood. We understand this, that the sacrifices that we're offering are not offerings for sin. Jesus did that. And he did that once and for all. Uh, and uh, there's no need for that to be uh, replicated, and nor can it be, because only the spotless Lamb of God could perform that sacrifice. But there are sacrifices that we, as New Testament believers, can, uh, uh, can offer up to the Lord. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. That will be our starting point today, as it was uh, a few weeks back. And uh, what we did, we covered three particular of these new covenant sacrifices back a few weeks ago. And we'll cover three more today. Back on the the 21st of October, we uh, uh, hit upon the idea of presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We also talked about doing good doing good, a sacrifice with which God is well-pleased as Hebrews chapter 13 shows us. And also we talked about the, the sacrifice of sharing, otherwise known as giving. And we were able to take a look at that and, and and see how your giving can actually come up as a sweet smelling aroma in the very presence of God. And we're going to go ahead and get into three more of those new covenant sacrifices uh, this week here. First Peter 2 and verse 5 reads as follows. It says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we see here that, that we're a holy priesthood and we're called upon to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Spiritual sacrifices. I like to look at it like this: that they are sacrifices uh, that, that affect things in the realm of the spirit. They affect things in the realm of the spirit. They they get God's attention, shall we say? Hey, and uh, three key words that that that. Uh, or here in this verse that we just read, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 of 1 Peter, we see the word sacrifice or sacrifices. We see the word offer. And we see the word acceptable. So a sacrifice is something that we offer that could be or could not be acceptable in the Lord's sight. And so the reason why we're going through these new covenant sacrifices is what we offer up to him. We, we want to offer him what he's asking for. We want to offer him what he's looking for. We want to offer him that which is acceptable in his sight. So as I said, we talked about offering yourselves as a living sacrifice. We, we talked about doing good and we talked about sharing or giving the last time. Today we're going to talk about three more. We're going to talk about the fruit of our lips, the prayers of the saints, and the sacrifice of praise. Come on now, are you with me? The fruit of our lips, the prayers of the saints and the sacrifice of praise. Um, you know what? Uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 15 over in the Amplified Bible, reads like this. It says. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. The King James simply puts it that that, uh, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise unto God, the the fruit of our lips, uh, giving thanks to his name. But that, that phrase there, giving thanks, is actually from the Greek word homologia, which is related to another Greek word called homologio, which throughout the uh, Greek New Testament is the word confession or confess. So literally, what we're doing is we're offering the, the fruit of our lips that are confessing to his name. And you may be giving thanks and confessing thanks. You, you may be confessing Lots of things, but, but, but that, that's the, the, the root of that word and literally what you're doing, you're confessing to his name. Now um, as we talk about our confession or the fruit of our lips, first of all I want to uh, uh, show you this, that the, the confession of us, the royal priesthood, is, is submitted to Jesus who is our high priest. And the book of Hebrews really makes it this connection very clear. Why don't you go to Hebrews chapter 10? Since you're in 1 Peter 2, you're not too far away. Just flip back till you get to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to see the connection between the, the fruit of our lips that we the royal priesthood are offering and Jesus the high priest. Hebrews chapter 10. Because, you know, what one thing that, that you just need to know is that if the Bible says something multiple times over and over, it seems to be emphasizing the same thing, that is never by accident. That's always intentional. <laughs> God was very intentional in the way that he wrote his book. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Hebrews 10, take a look at verse 21. It says this, and having a high priest over the house of God. So basically what what it's saying, since we have a high priest over the house of God, let's do these next things. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And what else shall we do since we have a high priest over the house of God? Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and this is the word that would literally mean to to keep on saying the same thing keep on saying the same thing and for us to hold fast to saying the same thing not to let the fruit of our lips the words of our mouth deviate from what they need to be saying And and, and from the direction that they ought to be going. But to keep on saying the same thing. And why? Because we have a high priest over the house of God. Well, what's the big deal about that? We'll get to that in a minute. While you're in Hebrews, go back a little bit more. Go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. So this fruit of our lips, this confession of us, the royal priesthood. Like I said that there's a connection and there, there's an interest that the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, has in what we're saying. And the book of Hebrews beautifully links it together in three occasions here. Chapter four, verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. All right. So we see that in Hebrews 10. See the same thing here in Hebrews 4. Saying that we have a great high priest, let us hold fast our confession. Now go to Hebrews 3. Go back yet another chapter and look at the very first verse. And that says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So when we offer the fruit of our lips, what, what, what are we doing? Literally what we're doing is we're giving our high priest something to work with. As a matter of fact, your works can be described as being either good fruit or bad fruit. We see that terminology in the scripture. What about the fruit of your lips? Well, the fruit of your lips could also be described as either good fruit or bad fruit. So we want to be sure that what we're offering up and what we're giving our high priest to work with is the good fruit. The good fruit of our lips. Hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you, the fruit of our lips, what we say is important to God. As a matter of fact, go with me to the Old Testament prophet Hosea. Hosea. I want to look at something there. And I want to establish in the word that the word views what we say and what's coming out of our lips as a sacrifice before the Lord. Something that is offered up to him and uh, something that when when done properly and done according to his prescribed standard is acceptable and uh, if not according to his prescribed standard is unacceptable. Hosea chapter 14, hallelujah. As always, those of you who uh, uh, did not get part one of this, you can uh, e- either get get a hold of a CD in the bookstore. If there's some left, if not, you can order it. And as always, you can go to iTunes and look up Faith Christian Center, Seekonk, Massachusetts, in the iTunes store. And, and you can go ahead and listen on there free of charge. Hosea 14 Hosea 14, I want to look at verse 2. This is an amazing thing. It says, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. As a matter of fact, the King James Bible literally says we will render the the calves of our lips. You know, like in the the times of the Old Testament, they would offer a calf to the Lord. Well, in the same thing, what we're offering up is a sacrifice to him. We will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Now, someone might say, well, I... Well, what if my lips are going one way and my heart's going another way? Well, good question. Because the Bible's very clear about the fact that God's not pleased when your heart's going one way and your mouth's going another way. Your mouth can make yourself sound real good. But the heart behind the mouth pleases the Lord. Isaiah 29, 13 is where the Lord said, you, you draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So we know that's not what God's looking for. What God's looking for is that when your words toward him are a reflection of your heart towards him, and when you've got that combination, you've got an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me share this with you. You, you can write down the, this reference here. Psalm 119, 108, the psalmist wrote, Accept I pray the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord. He said, Accept I pray the free will offerings of my mouth. Remember that Jonah, when he was in the belly of the whale, chapter 2, verse 9 of his book, he said this He said, I will sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. Did you know that the fruit of your lips, that with your voice, that with the free will offerings of your mouth, you could offer up a sacrifice to the Lord? Come on now. Amen. And did you know that the Bible talks about the importance of acceptable words? Acceptable words. As a matter of fact, uh, in Psalm 141, Right in verse 2 and 3, it's talking about the idea of let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So it's in the context here of, of, of offering a sacrifice. Offering up incense to him. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And then what's he saying next? He says, set a guard over my mouth. And keep watch over the door of my lips. Why? Because I don't want anything that's not acceptable coming out of here. I want what's coming out of here to be that which is acceptable and well-pleasing to the Lord. As a matter of fact, the very last verse of Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verse 14, and and many of you would remember this one. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Acceptable words. What kind of words are you offering? You know, I'm glad about this. Proverbs 10 and verse 32 says that the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. Think about that. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. That's a Proverbs 10 verse 32. And the words of the writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 10 Of course, the the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, he identifies himself as the preacher. And he said, the preacher sought to find acceptable words. The fruit of our lips. Come on now. The fruit of our lips. How absolutely important it is that we continually offer the fruit of our lips before the Lord and that we see to it that we're presenting something to our high priest that is pleasing to the high priest. That we're giving our high priest something to work with seeing that he truly is the apostle and high priest of our confession of what we say. He's the apostle and high priest of the fruit of our lips. Give him something to work with. Because when you give him something to work with, whose benefit? <laughs> who gets the benefit? We do. We do. But the, the high priest who's serving on our behalf, the high priest who lives forever to make intercession for us, the high priest who is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek and lives forevermore, Jesus, He can only do what he can do with what we give him to work with. Offer up the fruit of your lips, an acceptable sacrifice before him. Now, one thing about what we're talking about today is that the fruit of our lips really is uh, linked right in and tangled right in with everything else we're talking about. Because you use your lips to, to pray. So when we're talking about the prayers of the saints, you're talking about something you say, something you do with your lips, the fruit of your lips. So you you can see that they they, uh, cross over in certain areas. When you offer the sacrifice of praise, what are you doing? You're saying something. You're offering praise to God with your lips. Well, you say, I praise God in my own silent way. Y'all need to read your Bible sometime. You'd be amazed what's in there. Like, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be silently manifest. No, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's power in saying something. That's why it's important to find out the right something. Get the right something in your heart and get the right something in your mouth. Come on. Let's talk about the prayers of the saints. Why don't you go to Acts chapter 10? And while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Who are the saints? You need to know that the saints is you. And you is the saints. (laughs) You need to realize that saints are not people that have gotten to some special place in God that the average person can never ever get to you need to realize that when Paul addressed an epistle and he said that that he was writing to saints, he was calling everybody in that church a saint. Sanctified. That's really what the word means. It's a sanctified one. It means you're set apart. So when we're talking about the prayers of the saints We're not talking about the prayers of a select few who who, uh, achieved a real high spiritual status that that very few ever could do because the spiritual status that you have is because of Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's because of Christ. Glory to God. So Acts 10, are you ready? We talked about Cornelius the last time because he was doing some giving, but that wasn't the only sacrifice he had going on that he was offering up to the Lord. Verse one says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Verse four in the Amplified Bible says this, your prayers and your generous gifts to the poor have come up as a sacrifice to God and have been remembered by Him. Imagine your prayer as a sacrifice being offered up before the Lord. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 5, it said that, that Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered. There's one of those key words offered to God for him by the church. Prayer was offered to God for Peter by the church. Scripture says over in Hebrews that, that Jesus himself, during the time of his life, had offered up prayers and supplications. And now, what I want to do is we're getting into this offering up of the, the prayers of the saints and, and offering up our prayers as a, as a sacrifice, something that, that can get God's attention, something that, that can cause God to notice as here in the book of Acts. And what happened in the book of Acts? Angelic activity. Interesting. Interesting angels are real y'all. Angels are real. I know there's people that get weird about them and, and want to have angel this and angel that and a bunch of things that aren't scriptural, but you know what? I'm not going to throw out the reality of a wonderful thing and a wonderful blessing from heaven just because some people are nutty about it. Angels are real. Right now, in this very room, at this very moment, there are angels in this place. And when you die, you don't become one. So anybody who ever told you that lied to you. Because the reality, that'd be a demotion for you. (laughs) But let's go ahead and, and go with this for a minute. What happens to our prayers? Once we pray them, go in your Bibles to Psalm 103. Mm, mm, mm. We're going to have some fun with this here. What happens to our prayers? Someone says, well, I can tell you what it feels like happens. It feels like they bounce off the ceiling and just knock me in the head. Feel like they just come right back to me and don't go anywhere. But I ain't asking you about your feelings. And you know what? I ain't asking myself about mine either. But according to the Bible, what does the Bible say happens to our prayers? ho. Oh, I've been looking forward to this part here. Psalm 103, verse 20. Listen to this. It says, bless the Lord, you, his angels. Who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So what do the angels do? They excel in strength, they do his word, they heed the voice of his word. So therefore I would ask you the question, do they only heed the voice of his word when he says it? Or do they also heed the voice of his word when you say it? Oh, ho, ho, ho. and I want to submit to you today that if you're saying what the Lord's saying, the angels will heed it when you say it, just like they heed it when it comes directly from his mouth. Is there scriptural ground for that? Well, Hebrews 1 says that angels are sent forth to, as, as they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. That's us. In other words, they're working for us. <laughs> lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Hallelujah. Now, you're really ready. Go to the book of Daniel. Go to the book of Daniel. Now, it's good that we're taking time to see it in your own Bible. Some things you can quote, and if you quote it, you know, it can be missed sometimes. So that's why, uh, some things we can quote, but some things you just need to see. Daniel chapter 10. Glory be to God. So we figure this out. The angels heed the voice of his word. So if his word is given voice, the angels are, boom, right on it. Now, Daniel chapter 10. A little bit of background here. Just want to let you know that Daniel had prayed. Daniel had prayed. And there, there was a, a, a slight delay. And then the reason being is that there was some, some warfare going on because you, you had a, an angelic spirit who was really coming to pick up the prayer to pick it up so he could deliver it. And uh, uh, there there was some some war going on at the time, some spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. We're not going to get into that. But the thing is, is the the, the bottom line is is this, that, that it wasn't after too long that the angel showed up and spoke these words to Daniel. And I want you to really take note of this. Daniel 10 and verse 12, then he, that's the angel, said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words." Mm, mm, mm. So the angel is saying, "The very first day you uttered these words, the very first day you prayed that prayer, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words." See how important it is to pray a prayer that is scriptural and in line with the word because if there's no word in your prayer, there ain't nothing for an angel to pay any attention to because angels are well-trained. They only heed the voice of his word. So if the word is not in your prayer, they ain't listening to it and they're not acting on it. But when you got word in your prayer and when you got a a will of God-based prayer going on, Knowing the, the, the will of God and the word of God, you can't separate the two. They're one and the same. Right. If he didn't will it, he wouldn't have said it, basically. <laughs> so so w- w- when you understand that, and, and, and when you have your prayers being spoken as word prayers, prayers that are, are, are reflective of the word of God, angels hear, and they heed the voice of his word, and then what do they do? They come to pick up those words, <laughs> I've come because of your words. I've I've come to get them. So, So the angels come to get your words when you're speaking out his word and praying out his word. Now, go to Revelation. Revelation. So uh, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. This this particular thought here, we see the what happened when the prayers got picked up. But now we're going to see, wh- wh- where do they go from there? They got picked up. The angel came and got them. He, he said, I've come for your words. So what does he do with them from there? Go to Revelation 5. Revelation 5, verse 8 says, Now when he, talking about the lamb, talking about Jesus, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now go to chapter 8. So we see this reference to the incense the, this connection with the incense and the prayers of the saints. Chapter eight, verse three and four. All right, I prayed. The scripture says that that when, when, when the angels are hearkening to the voice of His word, heeding the voice of His word. So if I prayed a word-based prayer, they came and picked it up. Now, where are they going with it? That's what we're going to see right here. Chapter 8, verse 3. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. Upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before the throne. God from the angel's hand. So I want you to get a picture. Mark, he prayed and the angel came and got his words. The angel came, said, I come for your words. And now what does the angel do? Now, in the very throne room of God, verse four said, that, that the, the incense and the prayers of the saints ascended to the throne of God out of the angel's hand. The angel picked up the prayer and then hand-delivered it to the throne room. Does somebody believe your prayers are effective? Does somebody believe that happens in your case? Yeah. That when you pray a word-based prayer, that angels heed, angels come, pick up those words, and then hand deliver those words to the very throne room of God. Yeah. Yeah. Not just somebody else, not, not just Sister sister Deep and, 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 and Brother Shandali. No, I'm talking about You. You. Glory be to God forever. Your prayers, not even FedEx, not even UPS ground or UPS air, but hand delivered by an angel who travels faster than any of those other things can to the very throne of God, right out of his hand, Makes you want to pray, doesn't it? (laughs) Hallelujah. Woo Psalm one forty one. Verse two says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Remember the incense and the connection with the incense with the prayers of the saints. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. An acceptable sacrifice, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Write this down, Malachi 1, verse 11. It says that in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. Imagine that God would say that everywhere you go, in every place, there's going to be incense offered to my name and a pure offering. You know what? That was God saying, everywhere you go, you're going to find people praying. Everywhere you go, you're going to find people praying. You're going to find people that are offering up incense before God. Now, before we go on to the sacrifice of praise, consider this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4, talks about that first of all, prayers, supplication, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Then it goes on to say, That we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable. There's one of those key words again. Acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So here you are, offering up a prayer for whoever the king is. Whoever the president is. Whoever the senator is. Whoever the rep is. Whoever the mayor is. Whoever the governor is. And what's happening, you're leading a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And besides that, what you just offered up, God calls it good and acceptable. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, I know somebody, somebody wants to get to praying. I I didn't know my prayers got hand delivered to the throne room. You know, it's kind of like, you, you, you know, to, 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 get, to get, get an audience or, or, or to, to get something into the hands of somebody very influential. It's a very desirable thing to us to think that we could just go ahead, pray a prayer in line with the word. Angels come, hear it, pick it up, hand deliver it. Rises out of the hand of the angel. Right into the very face of God. Ooh, hallelujah. And now let's talk about the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13 that we referred to in the very beginning says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Psalm 141, we just referred to it a few minutes ago. said, Let my prayer be set before you as incense. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice—something about lifting up your hands in worship. There's something about it. You say, "Well, that's an outward thing. The Lord sees my heart." We just stop making excuses and praise Him. Just stop and say, well, I just, I just don't go that way. You know, I'm more reserved. Will you just set aside your, your reserve and just do what the Bible says. Come on. somebody lift your hands for a minute and praise him. Offer up the lifting of your hands as the evening sacrifice. Hey, hallelujah. Glory. Glory to his name. As a matter of fact, what's the royal priesthood supposed to do? Well, uh, go back to 1 Peter 2. See this for yourself. 1 Peter 2. The royal priesthood, that's you. Kings and priests unto God. What are you supposed to do regarding praise? 1 Peter chapter 2. Oh, Lordy. When it comes to praise, what's the priesthood supposed to do? First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says these words. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Woo. Write down some of this. Psalm 27. Therefore, I will offer the sacrifices of joy in this tabernacle. Psalm 27, verse 6. I will offer the sacrifices of joy in this tabernacle. Psalm 107, 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. That's Psalm 107, 22. Jeremiah 17. 26 talks about bringing sacrifices of praise to the house of the Lord. Jonah chapter two, verse nine. We made reference to it early where Jonah said, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Psalm 116 Verse 16 and 17, it says in there, you have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. How many of you got your bonds loosed? How many of you were captives and now you're free? How many of you were once in jail, but now you're set at liberty? Well, if that's you, how about offering up some sacrifices of thanksgiving? Hey. Over in Jeremiah thirty three eleven, Jeremiah, the prophet said that once again, there's going to be heard in the land, the voice of joy and of gladness and the voices of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And why is that voice being heard again? Because God said, I will cause the captives of the land to return at the first. God turned the captivity of the land. He loosed the bonds. He turned the captivity. And as a result of the captivity being turned, there were the, the, the voice of joy and gladness was restored to the land and the sound of the voices of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Mm. Sometimes your, your praise might need a little help. How many of you have, know somebody, that their praise might need a little help? Because they're, they're starting to, they, they had their hands up, but the hands started drooping. Someone's been there before. <laughs> Moses been there before. As a matter of fact, over in the book of Exodus, we remember (laughs) Moses, as he had his hand lifted up, Israel prevailed. But when his hand got tired and came on down, Amalek prevailed against the Israelites. So Moses got some helpers to his praise. How, How many of you ever needed some praise helpers? Or you know somebody who needs a praise helper. Where, where you can go ahead and say, I get one side, you get the other side. Let, let's keep this person's hands lifted up. Keep the hands up. Don't let those hands droop down. Keep those hands up. The, the scripture says in, in Exodus 17 that while Moses' hands were steady till the going down of the sun, that Joshua defeated Amalek and their people with the edge of the sword and Israel had great victory somehow connected don't ask me how somehow connected with the leader being on top of a mountain with his hands up in the air and that it was so important that he had two assistants one on his right and one on his left to keep those hands up you know that reminds me of something Mm Mm-hmm, reminds me of a little something that was said in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Find somebody whose hands are hanging down. They're they're, they're losing their praise. They they were hanging in there for a while, but but they started to to dwindle. They they, they started to, to fizzle out. And you say, yeah, let, let's go ahead and strengthen the hands that hang down. Get those hands back up in the air again. Let's go ahead and strengthen some feeble knees. There was somebody who was regularly on their knees, but 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 but, but they got weary in well-doing. And they got some, some feeble knees, but we're going to tuck a pillow under those knees. We're going to strengthen those feeble knees so you can keep your hands lifted up, keep your praise going on, keep those knees praying stay in that posture of praise and that posture of prayer and settle for nothing but victory as a matter of fact regarding these sacrifices how often should you do it well let me give you a hint how about the word continually let's start with the very first one what about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord well, how about this? 1 Corinthians 9, 27 in the King James Bible says, I keep under my body. I keep under. It, it, it's, it's a maintenance because body said, no, I want to be the boss. It said, no, you ain't going to be the boss. Spirit man is going to be the boss. And then body said, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't be the boss. And you keep that body under. So it's a continual sacrifice. You keep it under. And you do not allow your body to have ascendancy over the part of you that is connected with God, recreated in Christ Jesus. That being the spirit of you, the spirit man. What about good works? What about doing good? Well, the Bible says over in Titus, be careful to maintain good works. That means keep it going. As a matter of fact, I think of another verse that says, let us not be Weary and well-doing. That means if you've been doing it for a while, don't get tired while you're doing it. Keep doing it. What about giving? What about sharing or giving? Well, how about this? How about the words of the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9? That says that it is God's will for you to abound to every good work. Which means you're not one and done when it comes to your giving. You're, you're not one and done. As a matter of fact, you get one done and you say, all right, Lord, what's the next good work that I need to abound to? Every good work. There's another one. And, you know, we got that one done. All right, Lord, what's, what's the next giving project you got? We're going to keep on abounding to every good work. What about the fruit of our lips? The scripture says. Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. You just keep on doing it. You just keep on saying it. You just hold fast to it and you don't let it go. You keep on saying the same thing. What about the prayers of the saints? Real simple verse, easy to remember. 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. And what about the sacrifice of praise? It says it right there in Hebrews chapter 13. Let us offer continually. Someone say continually. Continually the sacrifice of praise to our God. Continually. Don't let it stop. See the sacrifice of Jesus. That's once and for all. That's one and done. And thank God it's done. Because we'd be lost if it wasn't. But these new covenant sacrifices that we've talked about are ones that you can just do continuously. Offer continuously before the Lord our God and please him and present to him a sacrifice that is acceptable and well-pleasing in his sight. Give God some glory today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.